grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Euphemisms are fun. Right? They, they are. Right? So, so a euphemism is to say something you don't mean to illustrate something you do mean. Right? So, so I remember when I was in high school and I was talking to this kid who was a foreign exchange student from Germany. And I said to him, it sounds like, he was telling me about his family, you know, and I said, it sounds like your dad wears the pants of your family. <laughs> and he says, we all wear the pants of my family. Right? I'm like, oh, that's funny, right? So a couple years ago, we're in Cuba, and uh, we're talking to the translators, and the translators, you know, because euphemisms do not translate, they're very culturally specific, right? So the translators are asking us, they're like, in America, how do you say you have to go to the bathroom without saying you have to go to the bathroom? I'm like, what are you talking about? And Nate Hall's with me, he goes, oh, yeah, you say you gotta go see a man about a horse. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's funny, that's hilarious, right? So Nate and I are coming up with all these different euphemisms for I have to go to the bathroom, most of which we cannot repeat here at church. And so I asked him in the translator, so I'm saying, well, how do you say it? And he leans in close and he whispers and he says, I need to send a letter to Fidel. <laughs> so in our text today from 1 Peter chapter 1, we have a euphemism. It says this. Let's see if this will work. On. It says this. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. But that's not what the Greek says. What the Greek says is this. It says this. It says, gird the loins of your mind. Which makes absolutely no sense, right? You're like, gird the loins. That sounds painful. I do not want to gird the loins of my mind. So in those days, uh, it was common for people to, for, for common people, they would wear a, a garment. It would be a, a long garment, usually sleeveless. And you would just, you put it on over your head like a long shirt, right? It would go down to your ankles. And then you would probably have like a poncho type garment you would wear on top of it, and that would have some sleeves and a little bit more color to it, maybe. And that's what you would typically wear. But if you're working, you wouldn't wear that. If you're work, well, you would wear the same thing, but if you're working, you would you would hike up your, your long garment, you would hike it up into your rope belt, and then you'd get it up so your legs were exposed. And that way you could bend over, you, you could work more easily, so it was just easier to work. And so if you saw someone whose, whose garment was hiked up, or rather their loins were girded, right? You knew that person was getting ready to work. They had a tough day ahead of them in the fields. And so Peter says, gird the loins of your mind. And what he means is, get your mind ready to work. And I always thought you should translate a euphemism with a euphemism, right? That's a better translation. So I'm going to retranslate this. I'm going to say, Peter's saying, therefore, get tough-minded. That's what he's saying. Get tough-minded. Why would he say something like that to the people he's writing to in Rome? First Peter's written around in the 60s AD. The church at this time is beginning to face some real persecution. 
We know from extra biblical literature that Emperor Claudius in around the 50s AD had kicked out all the Jews from Rome. And it says on account of a guy named Crestus. Christ. So even in the 50s, the Romans were, were angry at the Christians, had kicked them out of Rome. They had moved back in slowly because it's Rome and that's where the money was and the culture was. And they're beginning to face more and more persecution. It's getting harder and harder to get work. It's getting harder and harder to live in the world they're living in. It's getting rough for them. And Peter says, you know, you've got to get tough. You've got to get tough. Get tough-minded because your mind has to work now because it's not going to be easy. And you go through tough stuff too, Right? Hopefully not persecution, but maybe you've seen some of it, maybe. Probably not, though. We've gone through health challenges, family challenges, job challenges. You've gone through times in your life where you just had to get tough. That the only way around something was just through it. And you had to get a little hard. And you had to get a little tough. But here's the challenge. When you get tough, it works against you too. Because sometimes when you get tough, you get hard, right? There's a guy who says, uh, leave in, live in San Francisco once, but leave before it makes you soft. Live in New York City once, but leave before it makes you hard. It's tricky. It's hard to be tough. My dad was a, was a cop. And when I was growing up, I learned about what it meant to be tough. Because there was always times when someone was yelling at him and cussing at him, soccer moms and station wagons telling him how awful he was. <laughs> uh, people trying to beat him up, him protecting himself. He got shot at once. A lot of police officers, they get tough, right? They have to. Can you imagine a police officer who wasn't tough? Somebody yells at him. I know. I'm horrible. You're right. I'm sorry. It's going to go eat, right? It can't work. It won't last very long. So how do you do that? How do you get tough without getting too tough? How do you get through the hard times without becoming bitter or angry? Or despondent? How do you get tough and soft? We need a soft heart too. It says this. It does not say that. We gotta go back. <laughs> go back to the slide there if you can, Charlie. Forward one more. There you go, right? He says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, therefore, with tough minds, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you, be brought to you when Jesus Christ was revealed. So Peter says, you've got to get tough-minded, and to get tough-minded, you also need a soft heart. There's another great euphemism. A soft heart. Can you imagine explaining a soft heart to someone from another culture? Man, you have such a soft heart to be like, no, no, my heart's fine. It's good. It's right here. It works really well. It's not soft. It's a good heart. No. You gotta get tough minded and soft hearted. 
And you get soft-hearted by setting your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Get tough. Don't worry. Work hard. Don't be anxious. Do whatever it takes. And know that you don't have what it takes. Jesus Christ will fulfill the rest. He'll see you through. And we know that because the victory is already yours. Peter says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you. That's where your hope is. That's where your joy is. Because that's where Jesus is. And it's victory for you. Because on that day, on that day, justice will be brought against all evil. On that day, healing will be given to all who trust in their Creator and Savior. On that day, life will be given to all who die trusting Jesus, who's already conquered death for you. You've got to get tough and soft. And the only way to do that is through Jesus. I want to share with you um, someone who's got to get tough and soft. You know, if some of you remember Julie Holler, used to work at Vail Christian High School. She's a teacher there. It was some, some years ago. Uh, Julie's uh, 11-year-old son, uh, they found him in his room unconscious. Uh, they're still not quite sure what happened exactly. But they did CPR. They called the ambulance and um, went to the hospital. And Julie writes, writes it this way. She put, uh, I see you. Rye, son's name is Rye. Rye was moved out of the ICU this morning. Hallelujah. I praise my God who's shouting to us, I see you. I see you. We cry out the same, to the same God whom Hagar addressed as El Roy, the God who sees me. He is the God who numbers the hairs on our heads, whose eye is even on the sparrow. He has seen us in our despair, agony, and brokenness. The angel asks Hagar in Genesis 16, Where have you come from, and where are you going? Hagar responds with an answer, telling where, whom she's running from, but has no answer about where she's going. I respond similarly. I can answer with deep thankfulness, Where do you come from? We come from an ICU where no doctor thought Rye would make it out of the lab. We come from weeks during which we chose an expiration date for our dear son, twice. We come from conversations about waiting until Rye's birthday to have his funeral so that we would have fewer heartbreaking, terrible, grief-laden dates in the calendar to dread as memorials the rest of our lives. We come from a place of hurt and heartbreak, but also of peace and hope. We do not know exactly where we're going or where Rye will end up on this journey, but El Roy, the God who sees, does. He sees the beginning and the end, for he is the Alpha and Omega and the author of Rye's story, Roy's story, for his glory. Lord, I see you. I see you writing the story. You're in control. You're not finished yet. You're the God who does the impossible. Help me to see you clearly every step of the way. Thank you for the miracle we have already seen of you giving breath and life to Rye. 
May I see the one who sees me better each day. Rye continues to have major thick secretions coming from his lungs, which he cannot clear on his own. His mouth and trach opening have to be suctioned regularly for him to breathe and for his oxygen levels not to drop. Please pray for my husband Rick and I as we learn to take care of Rye in these next days. The ICU nurses have been incredible, but now it is our turn to do the work under the tutelage of new nurses. Rye can do nothing on his own except breathe. Much work is required every hour for him not to get infections, pneumonia, skin breakdown, etc. I'm scared by the responsibility. We pray for him to cough and miraculously regain the ability to clear his own airway. We pray for his continued success off the ventilator and for the opportunity to take him uh, to Dr. Harch. We would, be delighted, we would be delighted for God to intervene before that with a rise up and walk type miracle. We know he can. We pray he will. Sometimes in life, there's some seasons in your life where you just got to get tough. And there's no way around stuff except through it. But as a, in order to get tough the right way, you've got to have a soft heart. And Jesus Christ is the one who died and rose for you. Jesus Christ is the one who has uh, your life and the lives of those whom you love in the palms of his pierced hands. And Jesus Christ is the one who promises that one day all things are made right. And one day all that is bad gets reversed. And one day his victory is made known. And because of the empty tomb, it's not some Pollyanna, uh, some Mary Poppins, some, oh, uh, what is it, uh, Scarlet from, uh, uh, what is that, oh, that show, you know, the one with the, God with the wind, yeah, after all, tomorrow is another day, right? Is that what she says? Worst ending ever. Are you kidding me? Four hours and you end with that? After all, tomorrow is another day. That's horrible. Here's a better ending. After all, my Savior lives. And one day in my flesh, I will see God. And those whom I love, who have died in the Lord, they will too. It's not some Pollyanna, uh, have a happy outlook, don't worry, be happy kind of attitude. It's not that at all. It's a hope that's built on the very blood of Jesus Christ, who died and rose for you because he loves you. It's a hope built on relationship and not just hopelessness. And a hope for me be something better because, you know, tomorrow is another day and the sun will come out tomorrow, tomorrow. Bet you about a dollar. The sun will come out tomorrow. Our hope is built on an empty tomb. And our hope is built on two pieces of wood where our Savior died. And our help is built on this one fact that the creator of the universe loves you. Sometimes in life you've got to get tough. And have a soft heart. Because it doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. And he will see you through. Because he loves you. And he loves right. Amen?
Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord God, um, we lift up Rye Holler. Lord, we pray that you would be his, his mom, his dad, and his little sister, Lord. They, and the whole family, they, they've had to get tough because this is hard. Lord, thank you for keeping their hearts soft. Lord, we do pray for a miracle. We pray that, that God, that you will enable Ryan to, to rise up and walk. We know you can. We pray you will. But Lord Jesus, we, we pray this <laughs> thankfully and joyfully knowing the miracle you have already done in Rise life, Lord God. He is yours, baptized in your name, claimed by your blood. And Lord God, he has life now and always because of you. But Lord, we do pray because you are God and you are gracious. We pray that he might rise up and walk. Lord Jesus, lots of folks here and some of us here are going through tough times right now. Uh, times where we've had to get hard, to get tough-minded. And Lord, we pray for the courage and the strength to see it through. Lord Jesus, knowing that one day, victory is already ours. Victory is already ours in your support, God, because you died and you rose for us. Thank you, Jesus. We praise your name.